Well, good morning. You guys did an amazing job. Well done. <clears throat> and uh, it's an incredible song, and I, I love that song. It's uh, one of those you know, songs that just again and again proclaims the truth of who God is. And so, um, a great song for us to just begin the sermon with this morning. Let's bow our hearts for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for um, being here in our presence through the Holy Spirit. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you have done for us, for dying on the cross for our sins, for giving us freedom from our sins. And so, Lord, I pray that as we now dive into your word and as we uh, look at uh, the truth of who the Holy Spirit is, I pray, Father, that you would speak to each one of us the message that you have for us here today. In your name I pray. Amen. In uh, Acts chapter 2, you read there that the Holy Spirit came, and we call that day Pentecost. It's a day that we celebrate today. Pentecost is a very important day in the lives of believers. It's a very important day for us as Christians. It's a very important day for all of humanity. We want to spend some time this morning... And we want to look at, when we talk about the Pentecost, we talk about the Holy Spirit coming upon the believers. And if you read that text in Acts chapter 2, you can see there that when this happened, it had a profound impact, even on those who were not personally experiencing it, only witnessing it. There were Jews from all over the place that had gathered, and when they saw this, They were even so puzzled by what was going on that they were saying that these men must be drunk because they could not understand what was taking place there among the disciples. So we know that when the Holy Spirit came, He immediately had an impact on those around Him and on the believers. It's one of the most powerful sermons that that Peter preaches is found right after in Acts chapter 2. And so I want to spend some time this morning, we want to, maybe it's a bit more like a classroom today, it's not necessarily a sermonette as much, but we want to just sort of dive through a number of different Bible verses, and we want to ask ourselves this question, who is the Holy Spirit? If we're celebrating Pentecost, if we're celebrating the coming of the Holy Spirit, I believe it's very important for us to understand fully who the Holy Spirit is. Before we get into that, there's something else that we must just sort of do as a quick little intro, and that's this whole area of the Trinity. Now, I asked this question in the other service, and so let me ask it here. How many of you have heard of the Trinity? Excellent. So I'm speaking to people who fully understand. So let me just give you a really quick little um, outline of the Trinity. The Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One being... Three persons. And one of the things that we must understand about the Trinity is that the Trinity is God. The Trinity has the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Father, God, Father, Son. Sorry, let me back up. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's important that we understand this because the three are equal. The three are always in agreement. But they have very different roles that they play in the lives of humanity. And so the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God, and that is going to be the message that you will hear me say over and over. So if that's all you needed to hear this morning, there you got it, you can go. Just please leave very quietly. 
So let's begin then with talking about what is the importance of the Holy Spirit. Why is the, the Holy Spirit so important in our lives today? We know that the Holy Spirit was not just some fluke thing that happened. It wasn't an, a spontaneous event. Jesus informed His disciples before it happened that this would happen. Jesus comforted His disciples with the promise of the Holy Spirit coming to them. So let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 14, verses 25 to the end of the chapter. Clearly, when Jesus informs His disciples that He is leaving them, that they are deeply disturbed. If you read further in John chapter 16, we also read there of the work of the Holy Spirit. But in this passage, Jesus begins to explain to His disciples that they will not be left as orphans. They will not be left alone. He will send them someone else. And this is what He says in John chapter 14, verse 25. Jesus speaking, He says, All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. You have heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you love me, if you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the Prince of the world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Now, we could spend a number of sermons just on this short passage of Scripture because there's so much here that we can open up and look into. But let's just begin now looking at what is the importance of the Holy Spirit. Clearly, Jesus wanted His disciples to understand that they would not be left alone, that the Holy Spirit would come. He calls Him the Counselor. So here's one of the importances of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the point at which the Trinity becomes personal to the believer. God the Father is often seen as transcendent or far off in heaven. He almost appears at times unreachable. When you read through the Old Testament, you see that the way that the people of Israel, especially the way they referred to God, He was this unreachable God. He was so sovereign that they struggled to even know His name. When Moses came in the, in the presence of God, he turned white and he and had the tent of meeting in different places like that where only Moses and God could meet. And so sometimes when we refer to God the Father, we almost see Him as this distant God, this unreachable God, too holy for us to experience with, to have an experience with. Jesus the Son, on the other hand, may at times appear to us as far removed in history. After all, Jesus came and lived on this earth, died and rose from the, de- from the dead, excuse me, some 2,000 years ago. And so maybe in our minds sometimes Jesus is this distant, far-off historical figure. Clearly He is much more than that. However, the Holy Spirit, from what we read in Scripture, is now in us having a personal relationship 
with us and with the Trinity. So one of the the importances of the Holy Spirit is that He becomes a personal connection between us and God. Between us and the triune God. Another reason the Holy Spirit is so important is that we live in a period in which the Holy Spirit's work is most prominent than that of the other members of of the Trinity. His work is more prominent in us now than that of the other members of the Trinity. God the Father was most prominent in the Old Testament. He was the Creator. We know the Trinity was there, but most of the references that we have in the Old Testament refer to God the Father. This is also true through the Old Testament as we read about the interaction that people had with God. It was almost always referring to God as a Father. Jesus the Son covers the Gospel. We know that His role was the sacrifice for the sins of humanity. But now from Pentecost on, the Holy Spirit has in a sense occupied center stage. If we want to be in touch with God, then we must become acquainted with the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Also in our culture today, we exercise or we stress the experiential. People want to engage with what they believe. We do not want to just <clears throat> worship some figure. We do not want to just, you know, pray to something. We want to have an experience with our belief. It is through the Holy Spirit that the sovereign God of the universe becomes personal to each one of us. So why is it then so difficult to understand the Holy Spirit? Because I think for many of us, if we would talk about the Holy Spirit, we would maybe find it difficult at times to say, well, this is who He is, or this is what He does. One of the reasons is that there is less, excuse me, that there is less revelation in the Bible about Him. This may be due to the fact that the role of the Holy Spirit is to declare the glory of the Son. In John chapter 16, verse 14, we read, He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. Except for John chapter 14 to verses, uh, chapter 16, there really is no systematic discussion regarding the Holy Spirit. On most occasions when we read about the Holy Spirit, He, he is mentioned in connection with another issue. Or with another thing that's going on. For example, when you read about Samson, you read that the Spirit of God came upon Samson. And so the difficulty that we have so often in understanding the Holy Spirit is one reason is that there isn't as much revelation about Him in the Bible. Another reason might be is that there's a lack of concrete imagery. For example, if I were to ask you, When I say the word Holy Spirit, what comes to mind? What image comes to mind? It's more difficult to do. When I say the word Father, God the Father, the imagery of a Father is much easier easier to understand. When we mention Father, we in a sense we have a clear image of who a Father is or what a Father is. He is a provider. He is a protector. He's a leader. 
And so these sort of imageries come to mind much easier when we talk about Father. The Son is also not hard to conceptualize because we have so much written about Him while He was on earth. But the Holy Spirit is an intangible. Is intangible. Some of us might think of when we say Holy Spirit, we might think of a dove. We might think of a light. But we have a harder time placing a concrete image to who the Holy Spirit is. And this is one of the reasons we may have difficulty at times understanding the Holy Spirit. Another reason that it's difficult to understand the Holy Spirit is that the, Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is always in relationship with the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is continuing the work with the... The Holy Spirit is continuing the work of the Father and especially the Son. He's not out doing something new. He's not going on trying something, you know, a um, a new ministry or anything like that. He is continuing the work of the Father and especially the Son. So it may even appear to us at times that the Spirit of God is simply a byproduct. And this is not true. The Spirit of God is God. We may have developed a theology where the Holy Spirit is lower than the Spirit, than the Father or the Son. We may catch ourselves at times referring to Him as an it or as a thing. We may spell His name with a small s instead of a capital S. In some ways, this is similar to the Arians. And I don't know a lot about this, these people, but they had a strong belief that Jesus is somehow subordinate to the Father who is on earth, and that because of that, that Jesus was lower than the Father. In the passage that we just read, Jesus Himself says, the Father is greater than I am. And so these people had this view that there was God the Father, and then there was God the Son. But Jesus was lower than the Father. And when we read the New Testament, especially we read at times where Jesus goes and He cries out to the Father and He's seeking the Father's direction. And He's praying to the Father. And it's important for us in those moments that we do not begin to place Jesus below the Father. And that we do not place the Holy Spirit below Jesus. They are one. They are equal. They are the same. However, they have very, very different roles to play in the lives of humanity. In John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17, Jesus is speaking about the vine and the branches. And here He is constantly referring back and forth to one another. As the Father is in Me, so I am in you. And and I'm back and forth like that. There's there's no differentiating between Jesus the Son and God the Father. In John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And the same is true with the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Father. One of the exercises that we did with the young adults, and just something that you know, you guys are probably saying, this is overlapping a little bit. We heard about this a while ago. Yes, it's true. Uh, we had a nice, long, three-part series on the Holy Spirit. And, and one of the things that we did is I said, if we would take and put three boxes on the floor, and one would be called Holy Spirit, the other one Jesus, the Son, and the other one God, the Father... Or Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father. And I was to ask you, now place these boxes in in order of importance. Most likely what we would do is we would put the box Holy Spirit on the bottom. The next one would be Jesus. 
And then the last one would be Father. Because somewhere in our minds, we have sort of placed them in this level of importance. However, they are all the same. It's so important that we understand this because it is important for us to have an accurate understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. We must understand that the Holy Spirit is equal to the Father and the Son. So here's something I want to just bounce off of you, and I'm not going to push this. It's not an agenda of mine that I have. But I want to ask you, how do you pray? Because I believe that we need to include the Holy Spirit in our prayers. After all, it is He is the one that is most influential today in our lives. We may often say these prayers, Heavenly Father, thank You for this day. And it's just this sort of by habit something that we say and nothing wrong with that. It's kind of similar to me going up to you and saying, How are you? How's your day? These things that we say um, just sort of by habit. Now, just let me amuse you for a moment. What if you were praying today and you have some event coming up or you have some issue that you're facing and you catch yourself praying, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I pray, Lord, that you, Jesus, that you would guide me through the situation. I pray, Jesus, that you would give me direction. I pray, Jesus, that you would um, give me insight. Now, as I said, I'm not pushing this agenda at all, but what if Jesus was looking at you saying, why are you praying that prayer to me? I've done my job. I died on the cross for you. I rose from the dead. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. We did this with the young adults, and it's been fun listening to them talk about how their prayers are all messed up now, and they're like, man, you know, I don't really know what to say now when I pray. But it's something that I focused more on myself in my own life, is where I'm praying for direction, when I'm praying for guidance, I refer to the Holy Spirit because that is His role in my life. Now, I'm not saying anything by that other than maybe it's something we need to consider because the work of the Holy Spirit is constantly happening in our lives. Let's spend some time then. Let's talk about the deity of the Holy Spirit. We often talk about the deity of Jesus. How could Jesus be fully man and fully God? And we struggle to understand how can God come in the form of a man? And this was so important that this happened because it was through that that Jesus could be the sacrificial lamb for humanity. So what about the deity of the Holy Spirit? Well, one of the things that we find in Scripture is that there is a constant referencing between the Holy Spirit and God. They are basically interchangeable. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we can talk about God. God and the Holy Spirit are one. When we read about Acts in Acts chapter 5, verses 3 to 4, Peter here is talking to Ananias. And this is what he says to him. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Did it not belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. 
And for Peter, when he's talking to Ananias, there was no difference here between lying to the Holy Spirit and lying to God. This is only one reference that we see in Scripture where God and the Holy Spirit are clearly, clearly one. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. He says this, Paul speaking, he says, Do you not know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? Again, there's no differentiating between those two. They are both one. However, they have a very different role to play in our lives. Another area of the deity of the Holy Spirit that we see proof of the deity of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit possesses the attributes or the qualities of God. One of those being omniscience, which is infinite knowledge. The Holy Spirit has infinite knowledge, just as God does. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 10-11, we read this, But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And so here we have evidence again where the Spirit of God knows all things. It searches the deep things of God. Another reference, um, the deity of the Holy Spirit is the virgin birth. In Luke chapter 1, verse 35, we read, The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Again, clear connection between God and the Holy Spirit. They are one. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, he is, we are told that the Holy Spirit is eternal. Again, a truth that applies to God. Other references to the deity of the Holy Spirit is a biblical testimony of the role of the Holy Spirit concerning the spiritual growth of humanity. God, the Creator, drew through laws and through commands all throughout the Old Testament. He did this to draw the people to Himself. He wanted nothing more than for the people of Israel, for the people that He created to, to have a relationship with Him. Then the role of Jesus was to go and die on the cross and to be the sacrifice that we could now go to, to for, for forgiveness of our sins. A sacrifice that is for each one of us. And the testimony now of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, continues with this growing, this desire to draw people to Himself, to God. Jesus says in John chapter 3, 5 and 8, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Titus chapter 3, 5 and 6. He saves us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. <clears throat> he saved us through the washing of rebirth, 
and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us graciously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So the Holy Spirit is constantly, constantly at work as God has done throughout humanity of drawing us into a relationship with God. With God. The last thing that we see of the deity of the Holy Spirit, which we've mentioned already a number of times, is the equality of God, is the equality with the Father and the Son. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There is none that is elevated above the other. They are all the same. We could cut this short and we could simply say, baptizing in the name of God, in the name of Yahweh. But we are instructed by Jesus, again, to say, to baptize in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. They are the same. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling of His blood. We read here again of this continuous interchanging between the three. Let's look now then. I hope you're still with me. Let's look now then at the personality of the Holy Spirit. I believe it's important that we understand the personality of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that we see is in Scripture a very strong masculine pronoun in representing Him. In John chapter 16, verse 13 to 14, Jesus says this, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to Him. So one of the very first things that we see when we talk about the Holy Spirit, again in this passage of Scripture, the Holy Spirit is not an it. He is not some thing that is out there. Jesus constantly refers to Him as He. He is God. Another Personality of the Holy Spirit is, is the reminiscence of a personal agent. His work is reminiscent, I should say, of a personal agent. He's referred to as a counselor, as an advocate. John chapter fourteen twenty six. we read this, But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. In John chapter 15, verse 16, 26, sorry, we read, When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, He will testify about Me. So He's referred to often as a counselor, as His role as an advocate. Another personality of the Holy Spirit is that He is constantly glorifying other members or the other members of the Trinity. John chapter 16, 14 to 15, Jesus says this, He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. For all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine 
and make it known to you. And so the Holy Spirit is always out glorifying the Trinity. Another personality of the Holy Spirit is that He has intelligence. He has will and emotion. These three are regarded as the three fundamentals, fundamental elements of personhood. Now we're not talking here now of a person as in flesh and and bones, but we see here again that He is a person in in the sense that He is not just something. As we read already in John chapter 14, verse 26, He will teach you. So He has intelligence. He is able to take what the Father has given to Him and He will present that and teach that to us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, we read that He gives gifts by His own choice. Paul says this, All these are a work of one and the same Spirit. And He gives them to each one just as He determines. So the Spirit of God is able to determine what gifts He will give That is part of His role in the work in humanity. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, we see here that He has emotions, that He can be grieved. We are told here again by Paul, he says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Acts chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, we read these verses already, but we see here that it is possible to lie to the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 7, 51, Peter accuses the people of resisting the Holy Spirit. He says this, You stiff-necked people, with your uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. So one of the things, the roles, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to draw you and I to Himself. To draw you and I to God. To draw us to relationship with Jesus Christ. However, it's possible to resist Him. Matthew chapter 12, verse 31, and Mark chapter 3, verse 29. We are warned here against blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. Mark chapter 3, verse 29, He says this, But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. So one of the things that we can do is we can resist the Holy Spirit. He is not something that you are also going to be stuck with. He's not something that God is going to give you one day that you aren't going to know what to do with. You're not going to want. You can resist the Holy Spirit. However, it is dangerous to do so. Because when you resist the Holy Spirit, you are resisting God. The Holy Spirit engages in, in teaching, in regenerating, in searching, in speaking, interceding, commanding, testifying, guiding, illuminating, revealing. God, in His sovereignty, knew that we needed a personal connection between Him and us. And the role of the Holy Spirit is to come and to be that connection. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27, we read here that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Paul says here, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, 
But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And He who searches all our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in according with God's will. What an incredible promise. That the Holy Spirit who dwells in us is interceding on our behalf to God who is searching us. We must have an accurate understanding. We must have an accurate view of who the Holy Spirit is. As I've said already a number of times, and we'll say only one more time, hopefully, and that is this. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. He is God. He is not an it. He's not something that's just there to be taken for granted. The Holy Spirit came upon believers so that we would have a personal connection. He is personal. He is not some distant, some, some distant being that we cannot interact with. We can have a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And He came. The Holy Spirit was promised to us. And He came now. And He is in us. Few events in history have had a greater impact on humanity than the coming of the Holy Spirit. This was part of the plan of God to redeem humanity to Himself. To save us from our sins. So I want to encourage us today then to seek the gifts that the Holy Spirit is giving us. I want to encourage us to open our ears and to open our hearts to receiving the direction that the Holy Spirit wants to give us. I want to encourage us to live lives so that the fruits of the Spirit may become evident in us. Allow Him to direct you. Allow Him to guide you. Friends, that's why He came. That's why He was sent, to be our counselor. He is not something to fear. He is someone to embrace. Because it is God, through the Holy Spirit, living on us. Peter tells us that He has placed the seal of the Holy Spirit in us as a mark of our redemption. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank You for this day. Father God, I thank You for creating us. I thank You, God, for the plan that You have for our lives. Holy Spirit, You live in us if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, You want to speak to us. You want to guide our lives. You want to draw us to the Father. You want to draw us to God. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would Embrace You. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would allow You to minister to us. I thank You so much, God, for the will and the plan that You have for each one of us. You are perfect. You are sovereign. You are beyond description. And now You have given us Your Spirit to lead us. Father, I fear that we are often not grateful enough for that.
And so I pray, Lord Jesus, that what you began on the cross, that we would allow it to be completed in each one of us through the work of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that each one of us would go forth from here. As Timothy says, that we do not have a spirit of timidity. Lord, you have given us your spirit, an almighty power that lives within us. So I pray, God, that we would embrace this. That whatever conference, of whatever conflicts, whatever difficulties we face, that in those moments we would embrace the truth of this, that God is living in us through His Spirit. And that we would turn to You in all things for direction and for leading, because that is what You have come to do, to counsel us, to direct us. Help us, Lord, to understand this more. So now we say thank You for the coming of the Holy Spirit. We say thank you for all that you've done in our lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.